0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin as we tackle giving up the gun off of Vampire Weekend's second album, Contra. This song is a track that's been on Vampire Weekend's radar long before it was released, because I don't know if you saw, Kevin, but there was a demo track by La Home Run, the predecessor to Vampire Weekend, of giving up the gun with D-A instead of T-H-E for the.
1: I did not see this. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. I, yeah. I actually, I don't know how I missed this, to be completely honest with you, as one of the world's uh, preeminent Lone Run fans, but I um, <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. That's pretty cool. And giving up Doug Gun, that's funny.
0: Um, yeah, so we can dive into some of the differences a little later, but uh, this song... It's interesting because I always viewed this song as so contra, like such a good fit for that album. And to find out it was written 10 years prior is kind of wild because it's not that different.
1: Yeah, I, um, I mean I, I can't speak to the low run version because I haven't heard it. I still think this album's a, this well, this song is a really good fit for the album thematically. but you're right, it's funny how this came in way, way prior. I mean, it's kind of like parts of, um, crap, what's the song on um, Father Bride that Ross recorded some guitar parts for, like, years prior? Like, they've done this before. Um, We Go Together.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, the guitar parts on that one,
1: right? Is that right? We belong belong together, excuse me. Um, Yeah, right? I mean, we did talk about this, didn't we? Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> there is a song on Father the Bride that had Rostam guitar parts that were recorded during the Modern Vampire sessions.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, I seem to remember that. So I think it, it was the, We Belong it's, Together.
1: It, it's interesting to think that these guys have this kind of stuff in the tank if they want it to. And it's also very cool to think that this is something that I think fits thematically. And now you're saying was written a long, long time prior to the release of Contra. That's yeah, very interesting.
0: 2004, to be exact.
1: Okay. So like five years prior, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, to start off, I think Ezra's talked pretty explicitly about what has informed this song. So I'll just go ahead and read the quote. I got the idea for the song from a book my dad gave me called Giving Up the Gun. It's a history book about the time when Japan expelled all the foreigners from the country closed off all trade and stopped using guns and reverted back to the sword. Seems unimaginable now that humanity could un- could willingly go back to an older technology. It got me thinking about whether you could give up the things that you have and go back to a simpler life.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, because I remember um, this is just a personal, I don't know if cause is the right word. Something I've always thought is, There's a portion of American history from post-Civil War to pre-Depression really that isn't covered in most history classes. Mm -hmm. And briefly this was covered in, I think like one of my middle school history classes about how during kind of that early US imperialism era, we basically ran into the Japanese and we realized, oh, these guys like just stopped evolving from a technological standpoint 200 years prior to that. So when we come in with our like steam powered ships and our guns, they didn't have anything like to do. As it turns out, doing some cursory research for this song. And as you just kind of alluded to there, this was done on purpose. The Japanese had guns and decided, you know what? As a society, we are going to step away from that part of our technology, which is fascinating, right? To actually think about, you know, you develop something and realize, you know what? It's better for our society to get rid of those things and of course you could also talk into um the effects of banning foreigners which is an interesting concept probably a little bit more commonplace in like the 1600s or whatever but a complicated issue but still kind of a unique thing to have a technological advancement see what it's done and realize it's better for us to not have this
0: yeah so the banning foreigners um Thing definitely was a very real thing. Um, and one of my favorite books, if not favorite, uh Silence by Shushaku Endo um deals with um the aftermath of that in terms of uh Jesuit missionaries. But um I hate to well actually you, Kevin, but Japan never gave up guns. This is a myth. What this book, this book is condemned by academia. And it's a giant myth that he just made up, and Ezra fell for it. So <laughs> I guess I got got too. Now
1: I mean, yeah, I, I mean, just, I, I, just on, I just read a headline on I just a headline on the internet and I I, I ran with it, right? Yeah. Um, so well, that's like incredible.
0: A commonly perceived myth in popular culture, um, because of that book. But I was listening to shout out to Sam, Samurai Archives Japanese History Podcast. Um, I was listening to an episode from 2011, so digging deep back into the pod, um, titled The Myth of Samurai Giving Up the Gun. And it talks explicitly about this book and how there's no basis. Samurai used guns, um, but just not as much as the Western world did, I guess. Um, And it wasn't because they it was un, dishonorable it was instead because it was inconvenient at times Interesting. Um, because if we think about back then guns were a very different thing they were this bulky giant thing that you had to take like two minutes to load with gunpowder and prep and it was only a single shot um while well, instead they would have their sword ready to go and just go fight but they did not like guns were not uh they were never, they never gave up the gun,
1: and Ezra bought it.
0: When did become? When did it, become, it, when as did a it become elitist? He bought it. So, uh, this is fascinating because
1: if it's only really this one text that posits this position, um, posits this position. It's funny. Um, how did it become such a known or commonplace like thought, and then how did academia come back around on it this is i mean it's just it's very I think academia is is it like like a non-peer reviewed study is it one of those deals in like i
0: think the man just made it all up (laughs) wrote the book and uh the book was popular in mainstream media and so like i I don't think academia ever was like oh interesting i think they always condemned it okay so it was like a tabloid effectively essentially okay
1: well that's interesting um, and i mean we'll get into the music video eventually, but it's it's very obvious that this was the basis of what was going on here with all the Japanese characters floating around and whatnot. Um, well, that's unique. I mean, it makes me view the song a little bit differently. Um, but thank you for thank you for well actually me. I hadn't gotten a good well actually in a while, <laughs> so I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of wild that that's a thing. <laughs> And there's just a historical misconception that large <laughs> um so yeah I, I wonder if this pod if they were aware of this song because the song was released february 19th 2010 and this pod was released in may of 2011
1: you know because if they were so ensconced in their research it's entirely plausible that they never actually did a google search for giving up the gun you know and had they done so they would have found this song you know the internet isn't exactly what it was like 10 years ago now but i mean still that's something to consider right
0: yeah so samurai archives japanese history podcast if you happen to listen to our pod let us know
1: (laughs) there's got to be some crossover
0: some of our fans are probably listening for
1: but again, even go, the fact that they've got to
0: listen, good guys,
1: it's funny that they got it wrong. And yet it's still very vampire weekend to like try to drop a I don't want to say esoteric because it seems like people were generally aware of this. But like the fact that. They went for this kind of unique, funny thing and actually failed in that sense is is funny, right?
0: Yeah yeah definitely yeah it, it definitely has a very weekend vibe in the sense of commenting on different cultures and kind of the imperialism effects and the, in this case the myth is that japan turned away from the imperialistic effects but um or even imperialism isn't the right word here because Wasn't gunpowder invented in Asia in China?
1: I think I think the Chinese were using it for like fireworks in like the 13th century or something. Well, it was either. Oh, I think China was using gunpowder for a long while, but for some reason, I want to say that Central Asia was actually one of the first places to actually use guns.
0: Right, gunpowder was for first used for warfare around 904 AD. Wow, spread throughout most parts of Eurasia by the end of the 13th century.
1: Okay. All these things could be true is what it sounds like.
0: Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) in regards to Vampire Weekend. um, Yeah, so the song definitely takes a lot from the book, but I also think it's talking about some relationship of some aspect. Would you agree? Yes,
1: I I have a personal theory about this, but I do want to kind of explore some of the lyrics of the song before we get into
0: that. Okay, so yeah, let's dive in. So it starts with a chorus. Your, sor- your sword's grown old and rusty, burnt beneath the rising sun. It's locked up like a trophy, forgetting all the things it's done. And though it's been a long time, you're right back where you started from. I see it in your eyes that now you're giving up the gun. So in regards to the false history of Japan, it's a direct correlation where um, they put up the sword for the gun. But at a certain point, they turn back to grab that sword, put away the gun, even though it's old and rusty. They they return to the ways of the sword.
1: We also have a reference to the rising sun, and we look at the, the Japanese use of symbology with the sun. Um, and they're, mm. of course, they're they very famous flag, um, in reference to that. And all time
0: great know, flag, by the way, amazing
1: flag, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to celebrate what the Japanese Empire did too much uh, during World War II with the one they used then with the, kind of like the, the beams coming out of it was also very sick. But yes, yeah. even the modern day Japanese flag was very, very
0: cool. Yeah, it's all time top, top five flag.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Any, but anyway, like when you read the lens of like, there's something Japanese going on here and just even at a very basic level, a lot of these dots start to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. And then in terms of that relationship I mentioned earlier I I think it's kind of a return to the old um a return to the comfortable um and almost a lack of growth right yes
1: or maybe at one point in the past there was an attempt at growth and they decided you know what this isn't for me
0: Mm, okay interesting
1: Oh, yes, 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 yes. Why don't we go into this first verse here, if you don't mind. Um, When I was 17, I had wrists like steel and I felt complete. And now my body fades behind a brass charade and I'm obsolete. But if the chance remained to see those better days, I'd cut the cannons down. My ears are blown to bits from all the rifle hits, but I still crave that sound. So our narrator here seems to talk about how In the past, they felt gumption for their cause, in this case, a relationship, like you're saying, and it's faded for them. But in that last little stanza there, we see my ears are blown to bits for the rifle hits, but I still crave that sound. We're now talking about the individual saying, I still feel this way. And then maybe even kind of asking the question to the other party here, do you still feel that way? You know?
0: yeah it's definitely this attraction to something that is um negative even toxic in their life i think where um it's blowing their ears to bits but they still they still want it (laughs) Mm. Uh, so i mean there's countless relationships where it's very obvious from the outsider that this is a negative thing in one's life but for from the inside you can't really you still you still want it
1: so i think this first verse i think this actually is a good time for me to bring up what i've been stewing here so when i first read these lyrics listened to the song through two or three times i didn't have any of the, the, the the reference to the book that we've talked about thus far um but i was purely looking through this um with the words i had here and the context of the album and my personal theory about this song, I think it's most, it's best represented in this first verse here, is that we are dealing with not necessarily a romantic relationship, but two friends who had, I don't want to say extremist politics, but significantly, significantly left of center politics. Hmm. And at a young age, they both felt like they could be revolutionaries. They felt like they could do something significant in that realm, Uh our narrator, still strongly feels as if they can turn the tides of things and their friend all of a sudden doesn't feel that way anymore. And we kind of have almost a lamentation of, oh, it's been tough doing this. I still feel strongly about this. What
0: say you? Mm -hmm. That was my first read of it. I like that. I like that a lot. I never read it as a romantic relationship. I just oh, okay. didn't know what type of relationship Sure,
1: sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I just think in the context of the album, you know, especially w- with our conversation last week about I Think You're a Contra, I think reading it through that lens potentially uh, feeds into the cohesiveness of the album. And I mean, we we could definitely see a world in which these are the same characters as we see in Run or as we see in I Think You're a Contra.
0: Well, I mean, it was written in 2004, so I would I would say no
1: fair you mean yeah you're not wrong i would say but the narrative does fit you know i mean
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 i, I, see I don't
1: what you're know I, I don't know i don't know i don't know um that was like like i said that was my first thought at it when i started reading through this thing
0: no i really like that read um it makes a lot of sense uh, especially when all of contra kind of deals with this um almost political awakening in mm-hmm. the sense of being more aware of certain issues, whether it's the Iraq war and holiday or privilege in a taxi cab. Um, so, so, in that's our, and I think your contract kind of sums it all together, like we said. So in that sense, I, I would definitely agree with you that it makes sense for this to be dealing with a um, kind of political, motivation
1: yeah and i I think if if you look at when this was released i don't know we were kids in 2009 2010 right we don't really Mm -hmm. remember the political climate but i think if you look at people who were leftists as a lot of these members of the band were you look at many of them were very, very hopeful for Obama's presidency. And if you, if you critique Obama from the left, I think a lot were frankly disappointed at what wasn't accomplished, um, especially yeah. when you deal with the conflicts, in the Middle East, that sort of thing. And we have a song on this album about the Iraq war. So mm-hmm. I think you could see some of that frustration bubbling through in this verse here.
0: Yeah, I definitely would agree. Cause I mean, in modern day, um, like leftists are very critical of biden but i don't think it was ever su- a surprise that that was going to be a thing yes well back I think- then i it probably was a little bit more of a surprise mm-hmm.
1: yeah after eight years of george bush i think a lot of folks were like well, we have this new young progressive candidate who feels like can shake things up one convincingly in 2008 and all of a sudden it's like oh we're getting a little bit more of the same than we hoped to you know.
0: Oh, the U.S. political system.
1: Oh, the U.S. political system. But, you what, know, what? what we're only joy. there. We're only here to talk a little bit about that. Okay. We're really <laughs> here to talk about America's favorite ska band.
0: Of course. Of course.
1: <laughs> um, so we have the chorus again, and then we go to this next verse. I heard you play guitar, and then we get a great little Tur-tur! I don't know who's <laughs> playing that there. That's good. I heard you play probably guitar, awesome, right? I've, probably, yeah. The guitar he plays in the music video I don't know what it was, but it looks great. Uh, the, the instruments on in um, the music video were great. Um, so,
0: so there was a quote uh, from Chris Bayo who said the first time he heard this track was at a home run show. So Chris Bayo is not <laughs> in this band. <laughs> and um, at Columbia Student Center in the fall of 2005. And apparently Rostam came up just for this song and sang along with the choruses that's cool and then ct was playing the bongos because it's hand drums
1: the beginning it's not the kit that you hear for most of the song at the beginning it is hand drums
0: so so that was so bear was the only one missing at that point um and he he talked about how he added a bass line and he was really proud of it it's Um, a cool bass line for sure he said it quote, it's minimal, but sings songy, which is not the way I usually write.
1: Yeah, because he's, I mean, we don't talk enough about Bayo as a bassist. I think he's got some really good lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, unfortunately though, I think probably the band's best bass line, which is This Life was written by Mark Ronson as we haven't mm. talked about. But in general, I think Bayo's got a good sense about the what he, his role, um, that semi hollow bass he plays is a really good tone. Um, he adds a lot to the band. So I would,
0: I would say a punk is the best baseline in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. It's it's a fun one to play. He's their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So go forward.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, I heard you play guitar down at a CD bar where skinheads used to fight. That's interesting. That's very interesting. My first read through, I think about, you know, when these people were young and they had dreams of like, you know, like, like really changing things in a significant way politically, you think, hey, if there's a bar where these white supremacists are hanging out, we're probably not going to go there. And then if you think about revisiting this topic, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're, you're there now. Right. And you're not only, are you there, but you're like entertaining the people.
0: Oh, I did not read it as that type of skinhead. Are there other types of skinheads? There's British skinheads, which were part of like the punk uh, Ska scene, so oh. like CBGBs type people. Oh, well, forgive yeah, so me. I think this is a reference to like CBGBs
1: that makes more sense. Um, yeah. you know, un- unfortunately, because um, this, we've had more this album
0: is so clash heavy that and they were like a big mainstay there. So, no, like, to-
1: that, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, sense. unfortunately, my mind goes more quickly to like yeah. the white supremacist skinheads, but yeah. um, that, that's a better read of the situation.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have to I, look into that. Okay, I mean, that scene at the time was very counter culture. So it makes oh, sense absolutely. with your read of it that they were very strongly opinionated and um, leftist and wanting to bring down the system. It makes sense for them to be associated with those those groups of the CGB. Uh, for PCs. sure. Yeah,
1: I hear you. So then you're
0: Tokugawa smile in your garbage style used to save the night so what did you get there so Tokugawa
1: my understanding was kind of the leader of I I, I really have very very little understanding of Japanese history and how the whole samurai thing worked my understanding is he was he was kind of a political and war leader I don't know if revolutionary is the right term so please listening audience forgive me if I'm absolutely butchering this but my understanding is that he kind of started the movement that like led the kind of political sphere from like the early 1600s up until they kind of became the like pre-Japanese empire that like eventually formed into the whole like world war ii thing but like basically the group that did what we talked about in this book that in theory allegedly didn't actually happen like sequestered all foreigners and then banned guns yeah that was my understanding Like explicitly in terms of like timeline he
0: would have been the guy so it wasn't one guy But yeah, it it was the ruling class, the Tokugawa Shogunate. Um, so it was a time a time period of uh that of a group that controlled Japan. Yes. Okay. Um, I hear you. And so, so it was a line of um, emperors and shoguns.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. It looks like it was two shoguns, um, and um, yeah, both. So, their names were Tokugawa Ayasu and Tokugawa Yoshinobu. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's a, it's a reference to that timeline, which makes sense. Um, I, I like Genius's comment where it said she could just be Japanese. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fair. We don't know.
0: Yeah. And then your garbage style i saw was apparently a reference to this garbage style of wrestling that's popular in japan which essentially is no rules wrestling where you have like chairs and bats and tables um and sounds entertaining and it's just like all up brawl wow okay <laughs> so yeah i mean if if your friend starts to pull out that style of wrestling at the end of the night it's probably pretty entertaining Yeah,
1: especially there's a guitar involved, too. Um, oh, yeah. In a CD bar. It's, I mean, you've painted a great picture. You know, we're just hanging out at the backer. Um, someone's playing guitar, and all of a sudden, I mean, you know, things happen.
0: What What is the backer, Kevin? For... Well, you've seen
1: it, Nico. <laughs> I was actually just there last night. It was great. The oh, backer, wow. um, the linebacker lounge, if you will, is a hallowed institution on the edge of the campus at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, and, you know, these days, it's not as frequented by uh, students as it is by residents of South Bend and alums. Uh, but last night, we had a good contingent. I was there with some friends. Um, my sister, shout out front of the pod, uh, front of the show, Nora was there. Some former kids I knew. I, you know, it's weird. It was weird being back on campus for the weekend, but you know that felt good because I actually ran into people I knew and I was in a familiar place. Wasn't there um, a
0: shooting there last year?
1: i think there's a shooting there like every other weekend nico i mean it's not good but like it's a it's an interesting part of town there's a lot of colorful characters that come through that part of town i mean
0: no the backers an interesting place the backers
1: an interesting place i mean there's really no other way to say it
0: um yeah i remember i pushed in a seat that was like on the dance floor to get it out of the way and apparently someone's purse was on there and she just started like yelling and pointing at me and went to the bouncer and tried to get me kicked out and the bouncer came up to me he's like yeah sorry about that dude I, I know she's insane <laughs>
1: yeah it's it's usually a pretty I mean people are pretty amicable there for the most part but every now and then you'll see a character that just is a little a little off the rocker but I mean that's the case in any bar right
0: oh yeah oh yeah anyway anywho <laughs> you felt the coming um, wave yeah you got it you felt the coming wave told me we'd all be brave you said you wouldn't flinch but in the years that passed, since I saw you, ask, you haven't moved an inch. I think this plays into what I was, and
1: frankly, this is another thing that kind of played into what I was saying. When you see someone who's thinking, oh, this kind of this, this, this wave of revolution, this wave of new ideas is coming through. We're going to be in a great position to do this if we do X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden, like, well, not all of a sudden really, but I mean, these things come and go. You revisit the topic years later and they didn't act on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I I love that wordplay of you said you wouldn't flinch and then it's you haven't moved an inch. Yeah, if you haven't moved an inch, you didn't flinch. But he's referencing in that second part, you haven't done anything for this cause. You haven't moved an inch. You haven't left your house to like go and protest. For sure. Um, And so I, I, I love that kind of interplay with words there.
1: It is well done. It's totally well done. Um, and then we get the chorus again, and then we get this cool little, I guess you can call it a bridge, um, mm-hmm. where we just have, I see you shine in your way, go on, go on, go on. Uh, Ezra's voice, and then we have those backing vocals come through again. Uh, what did you make of this?
0: I had no clue, to be honest. Um, someone said, like, that they're saying the person's like doing their own thing or something. And like, that's fine. But I, I really was kind of at a loss there. Yeah, I'm not
1: really sure to make it either. It sounds really pretty. Um, but I don't know what it does.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's a fair read that it's like, okay, I see you, you're doing your own thing. Go on, go on, go on. It's kind of the end of the argument when you realize like you're getting nowhere and you're just like,
1: Oh, it's just like, we, we, we're going to be different in this case. Like, just let it be. That could be it. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I think that's probably a proper read.
1: You're doing your thing. Well, yeah. Okay. I like that. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. It's the course again. Um, yeah. I did want to bring up in the home run. Um, I'll share my audio here but verse two is a little different. So those last few lines of verse two that we just covered are a little different. so was that
1: android's dream what was that
0: yeah so uh, i can't re figure out what he says in the first line but the second line is like an android's dream which is a nice reference to um the book do android's dream of electric sheep which um was later adapted into blade runner so by philip dick um but um, yeah, it's this concept of like AI and do um, mm. do Androids really have like sentient life kind of thing. Blade uh, Runner so Mass- oh, I, I have saw no, Blade
1: no Run idea. The first- okay, sorry. I should be talking about Blade Runner right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, I have, go ahead.
0: I have no idea like how that would relate to any of this. Um, but then the s- second part, but in the years that passed since i saw you last remains the same but then it says you got the vampire's kiss which i thought was interesting just because it shows ezra's like really obsessed with vampires around this time period and i don't really know why (laughs) when was when was the walcott film Yeah, it was around that time yeah Yeah.
1: so this was a thing for a while yeah Um, he was really into them and this was pre like the whole Twilight thing, right? So it's not uh, like
0: I think Twilight came out right around then. The books did, yes. So hey, he, he might be a big book, Twilight he could book be a big, a big
1: book guy, yeah. Like, <laughs> surprise the century, Vamp- it was
0: 2005.
1: Surprise the century that the Vampire Weekend guys are big book guys.
0: <laughs> hey, they have a book club on time crisis, so that's true.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, the whole, um android dreams thing i don't think fits with this song it seems like a sort of conversation they would have but just not with this song um that second part though is just unique right because the the band had to be named vampire weekend at some point
0: yeah i mean i I guess he was just like thinking about vampires a lot and it would have it wouldn't be as surprising if they were already named it because there's a lot of big bands that like their first few songs are like titled their name. Like Green Day has like a song titled Green Day off their first DPA or something like that. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh interesting, say the least.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting song because we've explored probably three or four different avenues here that all have some weight and one of them is appears to be canonically true and yet is historically false which is kind of a first for the band
0: yeah, they got it wrong
1: they got it wrong
0: which is you know so considering how many times you... they
1: got it right in the first album and other times on this album it's kind of shocking but
0: yeah so vampire if is... weekend if you hear this we're calling you out. This is their first miss, I guess. You know, <laughs> big miss, Vampire Weekend. <laughs> can't be in the top five because it's historically inaccurate.
1: We have a commitment to fact-based reporting here, and so we have to we have to really shun the band for this one.
0: Yeah, bash, even though yeah. it slaps, it's, it's a great Iraq sounding story. We're good with that, but false historical representation. Nah, ain't it, Chief? No, no sir. <laughs> Yeah, I did yes, want to bring up um, one other quote um, from Ezra about this. He said, on this song, we wanted to get across some big feelings, but still keep a sense of minimalism. I think we found a way to do that musically and lyrically.
1: It's really tight musically. So it's not it's not their simplest song by any means, but it is. I, I understand what he's saying there because it's it's a very tightly produced song. Um, on an album where that's not the case across the board. I mean, we just listened, I think, your Contra last mm-hmm. week that's a little bit more flowy, a little bit more fragile, whereas this one is is tighter and energetic.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then now we must touch on the music video. Yes,
1: okay. I I love the music video. I didn't really know what was going on, but I I love the music
0: video. So uh do you know who um, the girl actor? actress was i don't so she was the same girl who was in cape cod quesa music no video. way yep
1: so was she just like a friend of the program or something or they so just... at that point okay yeah good for her well yeah. done
0: so yeah she's uh in a tennis tournament and faces a bunch of competition uh with three big cameos uh so you have wu-tang clan producer R- art Who's the umpire? And then you also have Joe Jonas, which he was pretty big at the time, 2010. And you also have Jake Gyllenhaal, who at the time was coming off of what movie? Donnie Darko? Is that around then?
1: I never saw Donnie Darko. I I uh, haven't either, but. See, now I'm just not.
0: He was coming off of Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time.
1: That was, you know what? There was a ton of advertising for that movie. I remember looked, I went and saw it. It just looked super high budget, right? Oh, um, that was
0: the hit he had in 2005, or like earlier was *Brokeback Mountain* in 2005. Well,
1: hang on, wait—you're—you're you're missing, I think, the biggest cameo of the entire thing, right?
0: Uh, oh, yes, that was, was the third say, one I was gonna say. Yeah, *Little John*, *Little John*.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Friend amazing. Amazing what happened here. They just name dropped the guy on LP one, and all of a sudden he comes around on it. Um,
0: yeah, it's what a kind of, scene, kind of wild. What a um, scene.
1: It's and he 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 almost is he kind of takes on this bit of a, like a guru persona um, and helps. I mean, gives gives our our gal some sort of super secret firebending powers to uh, defeat the final opponent. It's yeah, pretty impressive.
0: So so I actually I can't find it right now, but I actually put it into Google Translate because it's the subtitles are in French for what little John says. But essentially, he says, like, this is your match. You got this. Go and crush it. Let's do this.
1: The French just makes no sense because everything everything else is Japanese. Lil John,
0: um, hey, Lil John is a famous pioneer of crunk music, which was very popular in New Orleans, Louisiana, which has a very large French French,
1: French, speaking population. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. So that's why. I'll take it. <laughs> we we've made
1: sketchier connections in the show before. Okay. I'm willing yeah. to I'm willing to write that in the canon.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's great music video. Indoor tennis court. Um, Jake Hall takes a swig of something before he goes on.
1: Which was just so funny. Yeah. yeah.
0: And um, they're like falling over
1: the net into each other. That's a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she faces herself at one point. Yeah. So... Because right. maybe that's why Lil John
1: said this is your match because it, literally, it was literally her match.
0: It was. It was all her match. Yeah, fantastic music video.
1: Great music video. These guys really haven't missed on a music video. I mean, the early ones were, like, the A-Punk music video was, like, weird. But, like, they really haven't missed.
0: I I liked A-Punk.
1: I I liked it, too. It was just a little different.
0: Yeah. It was before Um, they
1: really honed the aesthetic. Um, But, I mean... um, at this point, they've got it, you know?
0: I, I don't know. Cape Cod Quest is music is like a little, it's aged pretty badly.
1: It's aged pretty badly. Yeah, I guess we look at it in an endearing fashion, but if you went in raw and all of a sudden that's what you saw, like, it'd be a little different.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so favorite lyric, I'll, I'll go first, because I I want to take you, you said you wouldn't flinch, but in the years that passed, since I saw you last, you haven't moved an inch.
1: Oh, this is this is this is tough. I really haven't given this much. Um, I like, but I still crave that sound.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Fantastic one.
1: Top five. This life, stranger, unbelievers. Let's throw Cape Cod in the top four, and then let's round things out with. Oh. White sky, white sky, white sky.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll go Flower Moon, Everlasting Arms, um, Unbearably White, Spring Snow, Campus.
1: I think you and I just had two completely unique lists. That's fascinating.
0: Beautiful. Everlasting yeah, arms I, gr- I need to like actually like get these lists down because we're approaching the end.
1: <laughs> Everlasting arms, like every, each one you just said, I was thinking, like, is there a reason I'm keeping it out of my top five? You know what I yeah. mean? Like oh, Everlasting Arms cooks so hard. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, the top 15 is all fantastic. Yes. I mean, I like all their songs, but the top 15, it's like, yeah, you could put that in the top five and I wouldn't mind. Agreed. Agreed. And then our hat for this week is a Stanford hat because Stanford somehow won yesterday and blew out USC and probably got Clay Hilton fired. So, we're hoping,
1: yeah, I think as fans of just teams that aren't named Alabama, um, we're I think we're just hoping that everybody's bad at football this year, really. Because, I, mean, I mean, like a and almost lost to Colorado. Uh, Notre Dame needed some help to not lose Toledo yesterday.
0: Yeah, that was um, a fun one.
1: It's it's tough, but I mean, not every team's undefeated right now. I mean, we
0: What's your opinion on whether the Toledo QB should have gone down at the 5? They would have won the game. They so would
1: if, have won the game. So, I agree.
0: I because I, I remember football, the first
1: fir- I'm, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to football, but when as long as we're not down like insanely, but the first thing I said when they scored is, is we got time. And yeah. it turns out they – Toledo decided to use that time to play, I mean, the worst minute and a half of football I think any of us have ever seen. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. Um, game was pretty bad. <laughs> and here's the thing. We had, we had some pretty catastrophic turnovers. But even if those don't happen, I mean, we still probably only win by, like, 17, which would have been a cover. People forget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was hosting a grill out and um... – was like cooking the burgers during the first couple of drives and saw they scored I'm like damn I missed the like only drive that matters <laughs> and then it was very wrong. <laughs> Toledo apparently returned
1: like all of their starters which
0: is yeah, a big no, Toledo's deal. Toledo's good but not that good. And then Florida State lost so to Jacksonville State. So everyone's they're... bad. Everyone's
1: bad. Everyone's yeah. bad. Yeah. Except yeah. for maybe Iowa. Who knows? I was good. I was okay. good.
0: So the song for next week is our last meme song. um So Kevin is totally unaware this song exists, but it is. I promise you, after of the Peter Rabbit soundtrack, yes, starring James Corbin, yes, Ezra for some reason wrote this song for it, and so James Corbin sings it in the movie, but in the end credits, Ezra sings it, and there's a. They talked about this on
1: TC when it came out, right? There's a there's a live version from the Grammys, is there not?
0: Uh, not the Grammys, probably. the uh, Emmy, the
1: Oscars. Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. But this is gonna be a fun one because I know Nico's opinions on James Corden. Oh, I know he's opinion- a. I know. I know he has opinions. <laughs> I don't. don't what there's a
0: celebrity less that I less like than James Corden? Here, here's the thing. My first exposure
1: to Corden was Into the Woods. And that was great. I actually enjoyed Into the Woods. I ones, didn't he was in that. And everything else has been downhill since. <laughs> but we'll get there.
0: We'll get did there. Did you Did you see the meme where he, like, him and Camila Cabello and all those people from Cinderella, um, the modern one, like interrupted traffic to like sing "Let's Get Loud." And yes. It was just like all vi- All pictures of like. Ryan Gosling from Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, to bring that back, um, just like just seeping at the wheel. <laughs> just like I need to get to work.
1: <laughs> Here's the other thing. I mean, I don't think anybody's listening to the show anymore no, except for the no. real friends of the program. I, the fact that there's a Cinderella that's out right now has actually convinced me that I am just so out of the loop. Like I don't know. A Candyman didn't know what was happening. Uh, the Green Knight, didn't know it was happening. Cinderella, like, literally, I didn't hear about it until, like, this freaking, like, I don't mm. even know what you're going to call it, flash mob they did. Yeah. In, well, they're playing in traffic. I mean, I don't know where you guys come from. but Playing in traffic is, I don't know. I would,
0: I would run the movie.
1: <laughs> well, that's a little strong,
0: but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming in strong tonight. That's, um, no one's listening anymore. You can say whatever you want now. Oh, yeah. Um, no, the... <laughs> Did you see that one video where it's Camila Cabello singing in the movie for like twenty seconds? Yeah, there is not a single discernible word in it. Yeah, it's just like. Oh, blah, blah, blah.
1: Well, my my, I was in like a I was in swing choir in fifth grade, um, for like one semester. The real and, facts come out. Yeah, facts. Go, this is this, this is deep.
0: i d- never told anybody bit. this.
1: Um, And I remember our, our, our choir teacher told us, like, you have to really enunciate when you're singing certain words so it comes through when you're speaking to your a choir. And my first thought is, like, you know, you've heard all this recorded music where people kind of get a little flowy with it. How is it that big of a deal? And then you hear something like that, and you're like, oh, you do actually kind of need to make an effort sometimes because otherwise you're going to get memed.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll end it here. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the what what usually happens after the recording. So
1: we yeah. we enjoy it. When we listen to these shows on our commutes every day, or like dirt once once a week, we enjoy hearing <laughs> our own voices. And that's no, why we we here.
0: listen to it every single day. <laughs> That'd be bad. I'm that much worse. Anyway, like anyway, tune in next week to hear us analyze, I promise you, off of Peter Rabbit.
1: Take it easy, folks.